morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And we sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks. And we've got Jason online. Good morning, Jason. Good morning to you. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got a 2008 Mercury Mountaineer. Okay. The V6, the 4.0. Yes, sir. And what I've got is what I feel is a slipping transmission. Okay, sir. If I get in the vehicle, Mm -hmm. whether it's cold or warm, Mm -hmm. I take off fine. And when I put it in drive, I take off fine. When I go to shift, when it's shifting into second gear, I'm assuming my RPMs will race up and I'll lose the drive. Yes, sir. And Mm -hmm. then it'll kick in. Yeah, if RPM rise and you don't have a corresponding acceleration of the vehicle, then that is definitely going to be slip. Should throw a check engine light for that. Jason, is light on? It comes on, and yeah. I've actually got a tool that I purchased. Like a 700 series code? PO7? Uh, well, I, I haven't done it. I yeah. just bought it this morning and didn't want to miss it. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's got a 7 or a 17 code. It'll start with that. Those transmissions, Jason, have had a lot of problems with that. There's a bore in the side of the case with a piston in it. And that piston actually applies a band, which gives you second gear. That piston tends to wear the case out and it doesn't take a long long time to do it somewhere around between 80 and 120,000 miles we see this fairly regularly that's where i'm at i'm at i'm at 92,000 miles yeah that's yeah. that's a fairly common failure on that unit and what happens is that piston will start to bind and not apply smoothly so when you go to second gear it just kind of neutrals out real damaging to transmission because when it's slipping it's grinding and it's going to end up tearing transmission completely out the fix on it most of the time and again we would have to verify for sure that's it because we're just kind of guessing at this point but if that is it the fix is you have to take the transmission apart we have a special machine that goes in it bores that case out we press a steel sleeve back into place which reduces the bore back to the normal size and then we put a new piston a new seal and repair anything else the transmission needs at the same time but that will permanently fix the problem when they put the the original seal i think they used like a neoprene seal and had a lot of trouble with the seals failing so they came back and changed it to something harder maybe teflon or something like that and now the seal doesn't wear out but it's harder than the bore so it tends to wear the bore out so that's a pretty big problem with it servicing a transmission on a regular basis tends to help with that but it's kind of too little too late in this case a service is not going to help it but I would get that checked by someone. You can do a pressure test, and you can verify that from the outside in less than an hour. And that'll tell you if specifically you do have it. You can put a scan tool on it, drive it with a pressure gauge. You can see exactly what's happening. And like I said, it is repairable if you don't go too long. If you go very long, you could be into a complete rebuild. Well, I just noticed it. it's my wife's vehicle, and she called me up. I actually made an appointment to bring it to y'all uh-huh. uh, with a lady at your office yes, on uh, Monday. Okay, okay. Is it worth repairing, or is the expense just as much as a transmission? Or I'd have to look at it and see. Sometimes it is worth repairing. If the rest of the transmission is in very good condition, sometimes you can go in and just do a repair. And, I mean, it's not going to be a huge, huge savings, but it's going to be a significant savings. It might be $1,000 less than a total rebuild to do a repair. So I, it depends on your plans. I mean, if you're going to keep the vehicle for a long period of time, I would probably recommend doing a rebuild. If you plan on keeping it another six months to a year, I'd probably recommend a repair. 
and again, if I get in there and there's a bunch of metal in the pan, well, that you know, then, then you're into rebuilding. I mean, there's just no no other option. It's right, damage is done. As soon as you get that transmission pan down and get the filter out, you can cut the filter open. Look inside the filter. If you got half a snap ring and a bunch of metal, you know it's time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's time for done. a rebuild. Mm-hmm. I got you. Well, I sure appreciate y'all's help, and I, and, uh, I guess I'll be wanting you in your shop on Monday. <laughs> okay, James. All right, we so sure we'll see you then. It, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? That is a fairly big problem that they have with that particular transmission. Yeah. And um, uh, I think it's like a, let's see, 5R. Ah, oh, geez. They <laughs> <laughs> got so many different designations <laughs> on transmission. I, I can't pull up the name in my head, but there's, there's four different transmissions that are all basically the same. Just the last letter is a different designation. Four, five R fifty five E. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's an N, an E, yeah. an S, and Some, yeah, four, three or four different ones. But right, they're all basically the same configuration, Unit. and those none have a dipstick. They do not have dipsticks on those transmissions. That's uh-huh. one check by pulling the plug out. All pan is little, right. little plug inside the big plug. Right, and it's like an overflow type system yeah, it's got to be at a certain temperature and you take the plug out and exactly. you let the fluid run out and yeah. fluid doesn't run out you got to add fluid till it runs out at a certain temperature and it's a big ordeal to, to check it correctly and yada 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah more and more and more cars have gone to the no dipstick on the transmission they have for whatever reasons and i don't think it's just saving the price of a dipstick although i guess that enters into it somewhere on some level but I think the the fluid level is so precise now that they don't want people improperly checking it, adding when they shouldn't, and draining off when they shouldn't, right. and that sort of thing. And most of them you have to check at operating temperature. There's a handful you actually check when they're cold. Sure. If you check them when they're at operating temperature and drain the, it off, you'll be under. You'll be low. So you got to know the procedure. And I guess what they're trying to do is keep people from improperly servicing these units. Right. And so they make it more difficult, and I guess their thought is you'll go and look up how to do it, and maybe you'll gain some information, you'll know what you do when you go in, maybe, I don't know, maybe. I'm just guessing. But more and more and more transmissions do not have a dipstick. Well, and they want them left alone, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they do. The more people messing with them, the more chance there is of somebody doing something wrong, and it's just it's however you want to think about it really well a proper service can never hurt a transmission exactly it's going to buy you some time it's going to lower the risk of a problem and the key word is a proper proper service service. but it is so easy to do an improper service and when you do you've actually caused more problems than you did if you left it alone for instance if you go in and you put the wrong fluid or you put some fluid that's been sitting in an open can in your garage for four years and it's full of moisture and uh-huh. dust and dirt. Now, you may actually do more harm than good if you take the filter off and put the wrong filter back, which is easy to do because many transmissions oh, have you. three, four, five different filters that all look exactly alike. I, I bet we've got 30 different filters in the shop right now for the different units that oh, are yeah. out. Oh, and uh, probably, five of them are for the same unit. Yeah, just, probably way more than that. And just like a 4L60E, I know there's at least four different filters right. that fit that one unit, and you can easily put the wrong one. It will go right on, but it will either break when you put the pan back on if it's too long, or it will be shoved up into the transmission. If it's too short, it's going to draw air in. Right. If you cut the seal or neglect to change the seal, you can have an air leak, which can burn the transmission up. If you knock a wire off of a solenoid, you can create a problem. Yeah, some of them you can't even get the pan off without taking the exhaust down. That's right. If and you put the wrong fluid in them. Sure. Or oh, you many, put the wrong fluid, boy, you're in trouble. Yeah, you can cause all kinds of problems. 
and that's not just with transmissions. That's no, it's not. everything nowadays. Cooling systems come to mind. Sure. Because very, very often we'll get a car in with major, major, major cooling system damage, and the guy will say, well, I, I service that myself. Well, but how'd you do it? And, well, I drained the coolant out, and mm-hmm. I you know, filled it up, but poured in a gallon of coolant. I took some garden hose, and I filled it up. Right. Well, you probably did more harm than if you just left it alone. Exactly. You know, just because you had good intentions does not mean you're going to get good results. And everything today, I mean, changing coolant is almost like chemistry now. There's so many different types of coolants, ways of blending it, ways of mixing, ways to bleed the system. And if you do the job and don't bleed the system, even trying to check your own coolant can cause problems now. Mm -hmm. Because if you take the cap off to check the coolant, induced air into the system break up the vacuum that works with the reservoir don't get the cap back on straight now you're drawing oxygen into the system you start corrosion and you can create a major major malfunction and i believe that's why a lot of the manufacturers have gone to a see-through bottle the reservoir bottle is actually see-through so you can see the level you don't have to take the cap off and look that's right and they have a constant flow type system on most of those which is self-purging as opposed to the old systems which just had an overflow where the coolant would heat up it would go out a siphon and when it got cool it would draw it back in mm-hmm. people were constantly leaving the caps loose not putting the cap on right the hoses would get dry rotted and the cooling system would go down the reservoir bottle would stay full and they'd burn the car up not ever knowing they had a problem sure with most of the newer systems or a lot of the newer systems they actually flow through it's not a reservoir any longer it's a surge tank correct and the coolant flows through so it tends to force the air out and you'll generally know if you got something put together wrong because you can start smelling coolant pretty fast start losing coolant right the entire system is now pressurized but the point is i guess even taking it to a shop if you choose the wrong shop or the wrong type of shop and they do an improper service they can actually cause more problems than if you just left it alone so that's why you don't want to just go in and start changing stuff or just start doing stuff mm-hmm. to understand the, the concept behind it what makes it work how it works it will sure help out a lot in, oh, in getting it done correctly had a fellow who came in not too long ago and well-meaning guy but he went in his car was about four years old he says i'm gonna do a good job here i'm gonna go ahead and change all the hoses okay and the coolant on my car and he did, and he went to a parts store, and he bought a bunch of cheap junk neoprene uh-huh. hoses, took off a bunch of EPDM rubber hoses, which probably would have lasted 20 years. Right. And after a short march of time, he had leaks, he had that, he had the other, and he had a good deal of corrosion. The hoses he put back on were far, far inferior to the hoses he took off. Sure. Even at four years, probably even at 10 years, or maybe even 15 years, the EPDM rubber is just a much better hose. It's a molded hose. It has a clamp-on quick connect on the end of it. You'll hit cut that and put hose clamps on right. it, which had eaten into that old neoprene hose. They were leaking. And the cost of putting it all back like it was originally is pretty exorbitant because some of those hoses are very expensive. Well, and some of them, you're not getting the same quality that came from the manufacturer. Well, that's right. Even if they're bought from the Well, you buy it from the, the manufacturer. But you're getting OES. You're not getting OEM. OEM a, is an original equipment manufacturer who may or may not even still be in business. Right. When you get OES, you get an original equipment service, which is a part made for the manufacturer as a service part. Correct. Not always the same as the OEM part. And a lot of folks don't realize that. Just going back to the dealer and buying a part doesn't mean you're getting the same part that came on the car originally. Right. So something to look out for. We're going to go ahead and take a break here and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. 
travel. But never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, this is going to be the last live show for a week or so. Okay. Next week is Mardi Gras. That's right. And you know where I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I know where I won't be. Uh, you know, I'll put together a real nice show, though. I've got a pre-recorded show from about four years ago that we added some stuff. and got some yeah. good information. I think it'll be a great show. I think people will be really interested and get a lot of information out of it so you won't be left in the lurch you'll still have your automotive fire just i won't be here there you go <laughs> let's go to our phone lines we got mark online good morning mark good morning gentlemen lewis yes sir i, I, I wrote you an email this morning lewis kind of i know it's a pesky thing i keep coming back around but i just really concerned about this dodge hemi okay it's a 2012 5.7 liter hemi mm-hmm. and it's it's bursted a little weak point inside, I think, and at the heater core. It's actually pushing out coolant inside the car under heavy throttle. Well, I smell it, and I found it. Okay, um, it's got coolant dripping inside the car? Yeah, it's coming down the accelerator pedal arm, and behind it is... Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion that that's the heater core, though, because well, you've okay. got a couple of hoses that go there that can leak, and they'll spray far and do the same exact thing. Yes, sir, I... Okay. I guess what I'm really getting at is I'm past the 36,000 miles, right, right. but it is three years old. I mean, that's really not well, supposed to happen, right? I mean, Well, who knows, man? You don't even know what's happened yet, so you're going to have to go in, get it yeah. checked, find out what's wrong. Uh-huh. I mean, it could be a loose clamp. It could yeah. be a hose that's rubbed against something and chafed and it's leaking. So I wouldn't start flipping out already, I mean, until I've had it checked and find out what's wrong with it. I got you. I, I've seen 100 of these things where the clamp at the firewall or the quick connect at the firewall, a little O-ring goes bad, the water kind of sprays forward when you get heavy acceleration. Yeah. It runs through that hole, and it's going to run down and drip. Because yeah. most of the time, if it's a heater core, it's going to drip into the evaporator core tray, and it's going to okay. drip under the car. It's not going to drip inside the car. Yeah. Because the same tray that catches the air conditioning water will catch that water. Yeah, and I don't mean to assume. I just... Yeah, you got, see, you can't just go off on a tangent, well, I think it's this because of this because of this. And right, you get yeah. all worried and all. I mean, it could be a real minor issue. It could be as tight in a hose clamp. But you're saying there's lots of plumbing under there. It could there be is. Any, there any is point. quite a bit. could be yeah. any bit of it. And like I said, it would be unusual to have a heater core go out at that new of a car. You know, yeah. I'm not going to say it's never, ever happened, but it would be very unusual. Well, it's definitely coming to y'all. I mean, you, you, you're thinking a good time-intensive job though right not necessarily no not necessarily. i mean no we put Should pressure test on it. it we may find it in 10 minutes and fix it in 10 minutes i mean i can't promise that obviously but yes. i wouldn't get too worried until i found out what it was i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be a big deal yeah well it sure is a strong 
amount of it coming through. I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah. Well, it will be. It will be because like I say any amount of coolant, it's got a pretty distinctive uh, odor to it, and you're going to smell it. I mean, just a few drops, you're going to have a lot of odor. Yeah. So I would go ahead and just check it and see because see a heater core too wouldn't be so dependent on acceleration. That's more like something that's leaking. A heater core gets a hole in it; it's going to leak all the time. Accelerating, not accelerating. Yeah. When you accelerate, pressure goes up. So let's say you got a hose clamp or a quick connect that's leaking. You put more pressure on it. That's when it's going to leak. So I just wouldn't get too too excited about that until I check it and see what it is. Yes, sir. All righty. Well, it's coming to you, and I thank y'all once again for doing this service. Yes, sir, Mark. Have a good one. Thank, thank you, all, man. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would absolutely love to have you. You know, those tension clamps that they put around uh-huh. them nowadays, That's the right. tension clamp will actually break. I've seen a few of them actually broken. Break, and I've also seen them just not tight enough, just not have tension. Uh-huh. In fact, we did a, I can't recall which kind of car it was, Jeff was working on it, and once we got the, we were doing like some air conditioning work on right. it. And the guy mentioned, he says, I've got a power steering noise that I just hadn't been able to get out. I think the pump is bad. Okay. And when we got the air conditioning compressor off, you could look up and you could see a little trail of power steering fluid. Not a lot, but just a small, just small amount. And it was a clamp like that, one of those little tension clamps right. on the suction hose. So what it would do is it would draw air in. It was aerating the fluid, which was the noise. Uh-huh. And... If you got enough pressure in it with the air built up and left the cap on, it would actually pressurize the system to where you could see it dripping when you turned it off. It was not a big drip. I mean, it was real hard to find. But while we were in, cut that little clamp off, put a screw-type clamp on it, cranked it up, bled it out, and all his power steering noise is gone. Right. He's like, wow, what'd you do? <laughs> you <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was going to have to put a pump on it. Right. No, no, no. It was, just, it was drawing air in. And it's weird about power steering because when it's running, that is under a suction, so it's not going to leak. Correct. It's going to draw air in. Now, if it's a pressure hose, it's going to leak under pressure. The only way to detect that is to pressurize the system, which is somewhat difficult. On a power steering system. On a power steering system. And it just so happens that when the air sucked in, it compressed the air. When the cap was on the pump and the car was turned off, some of that air expanded back out, which pressurized it just enough to cause a little bit of a leak. We just got lucky and happened to see it. Probably couldn't have seen it with the compressor on. Right. But we were under the car looking up and just happened to see that. So we changed that clamp and just kind of a lucky stroke there. (laughs) (laughs) We were able to fix two problems with one. uh, Right. That suction hose you're referring to actually goes, the pump, it doesn't hold the fluid. It has a remote reservoir, Mm -hmm. and it uses that remote reservoir with a – what you called a suction hose. Right. And if it didn't have the remote reservoir like the older models, the reservoir was the pump. That's right. You wouldn't have that hose. That, that so, did not apply to those. Right. You had a return hose, which could do the same Possibly, thing, but wasn't nearly as bad about doing it. Right. But the ones with the remote reservoirs are, are more Most, apt to doing it. Right. And you can also get a front seal on a pump. And because there is a suction on that front seal, it'll pull air. that'll pull air in and not leak. Right. And so when you got a power steering pump making noise don't automatically assume the pump is bad because many many times the pump is not bad we've got air in our system that's the symptom the you need symptom. to try to figure out one absolutely classic example as the honda products right and i gotta say honda and acura have a wonderful pump i have seen oh it's a great very pump. very few of those pumps ever go bad now i've seen a lot of them whining but i have changed very few of those pumps over the years maybe two or three in the last 10 years and the, the main reason they whine is because there's an o-ring on the suction side mm-hmm. and there's an o-ring on the output side right. on the pressure side and those o-rings will go bad and it'll draw air past and aerate the fluid which will make the pump make noise that's right 
And once you fix that and get it air bled out of it, they quiet right down most That's of the right. time. A lot of times they will. I mean, if it's been running long enough with air in it, it could damage the pump, and that would cause a failure. Right. You would have to change the pump. But very, very, very often we find power steering noises, not the pump at all. Right. It's something else in the system. And another thing is a hose that is routed with a loop in it above the level of the reservoir. That can hold air. Correct. And you will not get that air out. The fluid will actually the fluid will actually push that air bubble up at the top right. as high as it'll go, and the fluid will go under it. It'll flow around it. Right. And it just compresses that air at the top of that hose. And the OEM is real good about never routing hoses like that. They uh-huh. always route the hoses down below the reservoir so that they self-bleed. But a lot of times, someone's gone in at some point, changed the hose. Maybe they put an aftermarket hose. Maybe it's they made bought, different. Maybe they made a hose out of just bulk line. Right. And they left a loop in it, and now they've got a power steering noise they can't cure. Another example of that is when you check your fluid, it looks to be low, and you add, and then it overflows. When you turn it off. When you turn it off. It comes bulking back out. And the reason that occurs is because that power steering pump puts out about 600 PSI at an idle. And probably around twelve to fourteen hundred psi when it's deadheaded, turning the wheel one way uh-huh. or another. If there's air in that system, it's going to be forced into the lowest point in the system, and then that six hundred pounds is going to compress that air. It's going right. to squeeze it into a very very small amount because air is compressible. When that happens, the fluid level is going to drop. Mm-hmm. Now, when you've put fluid back in it, you turn it off. The pressure drops. Now the air expands back out, pushes the fluid, the back, fluid up. back out. So when you see your power steering pump overflowing, first thing to suspect is you've got air going into the system somewhere. And that can be a bad pump, like say if it's leaking around the front seal, but it can be a lot of other things as well. Suction hoses are one of the things. A rack and pinion can cause that problem. Sure. Not leak under pressure. The pressure seals it, but on the return stroke, air draws in past it. And then once you get air in the system, it compresses. So you check it running, it looks like it's low, you add fluid, you turn it off, it overflows. Right. When it's running, it shows to be low, so it starts whining. So what happens, people will hear the whine first because the air is being compressed, which is letting the fluid level drop. Now it's whining because it's running low on fluid. The first thing they do is they add fluid. Okay, now i got it fixed. Well, as soon as you turn it off, fluid comes bubbling out, gets all over the belt. Now the belt, right. belt's slipping. <laughs> <laughs> and on and on and on we go. But that's very, very, very common and very, very misleading. It can really take you down the wrong road. Lots and lots and lots of power steering pumps get replaced for that. And many times they still got the same noise when they're through. Sometimes they change the hose and the pump at the same time, and they think they fixed the problem, which they did, but just changing the hose would have fixed the problem. Right. And a lot of times, or almost all the time, when you buy a power steering pump, you're not getting a new pump. You're getting a rebuilt pump. Most of the pumps that are on the market are rebuilt. Some are cheap aftermarket rebuilt, which are not as good as the original equipment pump you're taking off, and, particularly and, with a Honda. Right. And some of them, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think they just took them out the box, washed them off, painted them, and put them back in a new box. We'll call it spray and pray. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've, we've had some pumps come through there. We've had to turn around before oh, yeah. they even got put on the car. Well, that's right. And what they do they get a pump in the first thing they do is put on a little test stand it works okay they may just paint it and send it back out exactly i'm not saying they all do that but there's probably some companies that do that you may get be getting a pump with two hundred thousand miles that had a bad hose the guy sent it in for a core they tested it, it was working okay so they, so they put it back in the box and so now you got it a out pump, pump with two hundred thousand miles on a car, <laughs> car with fifty thousand miles that didn't need a pump <laughs> right exactly so, yeah you got to really really watch that kind of stuff that's why you always want to test make sure what you're going after before you start changing parts sure hey one more quick little break and more is on the way 
And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. We always love hearing from you. That's it. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air at 11 o'clock today or That's right. while we're at Mardi Gras? Down to Mardi Gras. Well, while you're at Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying home. There you go. <laughs> you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is www.agcoauto.com that is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O easy way to remember that is take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company that's right and go to our site there's a contact bar on each and every page just fill out the form send it in it couldn't be any easier that's right and when you send that form it'll actually if you would like to save the information if you hit yes it'll put a little cookie on your machine with all your information on it and that's not like invasive of your privacy and thing it's just storing your own information kind of like it stores a password uh-huh. exact thing you know go to some site that says do you want to remember this password you say yes it stores it on your site for right you, on, on your, your machine on machine for you same thing with that next time you come back it'll be there your name your email address all that information will be filled out and it'll have your car information you just update the mileage and your complaint send it makes it real easy and you can remember multiple cars as well that's great more than one you can remember know, as many as you like i know most people have more than one vehicle some have two or three and in the nature of things kind of like myself i'm working on five so uh <laughs> there you go let's go back to our phone i was mark good morning uh it's me again gentlemen. i just figured you weren't too busy i just thought of one more thing okay about the inlet and outlet tubes inside it's a good bit above the steering shaft but i can see it dripping on that mm-hmm. is that something that i can take on i mean i want to try to get to it and do what I can, but I just don't know what's the right way to start. Yeah, possibly. We need to start, Mark, is to do what they call a pressure test, and that's where you put, we've got a little uh, device, you put a pump on, you can pressurize it, and you can see it coming out. And, I mean, if you can see where it's leaking and you can get to the part and you can change it yourself, that'd be great. But you know, if you can't, then you can just let me know and I can find it for you. And If I had it idling and just throttled it up, would that be the equivalent of a pressure test? It wouldn't be the equivalent, but it might work. You could sure try it. I mean, well, if, what if, you got to lose, you know? If that's what's making it leak, yeah, you can do it that way. Yeah, yeah it, it is. I can repeat it any time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah, check you it can do that. And, I mean, if it's the quick connect or if it's the hose loose or the clamp loose or whatever it is, maybe the hose has got a little cut in it or whatever, you should be able to take it apart and look at it and pretty much determine what's going on you just got to remember that that system's going to be hot yeah. after it's been running so you got to let it cool down because it's under pressure now and it's scalding hot yeah it will scald so you got to let it cool down before yeah. you can actually get into once it once you check it yeah that's starting to feel more and more like i can't do this because <laughs> it's, it's well, so far up too you know yeah sometimes it's pretty difficult you know just depends on how handy you are if you got all the right tools if you enjoy doing it some people it's the devil's own work to them they don't want to have food with it and 
it's better to bring it to somebody. Yeah, enjoy it. Some people like doing it. I mean, just different strokes. And, and the more the more information you can give the shop that's doing it, the faster they're going to be able to get to it. Right. And as if you do that little check and you see where it's leaking, when you come in, you go out and you take and you show, hey, look, it's leaking right here. Then he doesn't have to do near as much check. Yeah. Just put a pressure pump on it and verify it. Well, right. and that's why I'm bugging y'all because it's going to be off. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. And I had one more tiny little thing. Go ahead. All right. It just see if it comes off the top of your head. The 044 runner, the rear high mount brake light. Uh huh. On the lift gate, the bulb's out, and I cannot see how to get to it at all. There's no screws on the outside, and the inside welded up, you know, the door panel. I mean, I, Yeah, it may just pop out, Mark. I'm not sure. I'd have I'll, to see it to tell you for sure. But I'd have to check service data to yes, figure out. Some of them just clip in. Some, clip. Of them, some of them have a hidden screw on the inside. I mean, I'd hate to go pulling on it and break it. I mean, yeah, and you, I could gently, you could gently pry against it and see if it comes out, but I wouldn't get real rough with it because you can break it pretty easy. Some of them yeah, just have like two little plastic clips. They just snap in place. Right. Yeah. And those just pop out from the outside. Some have a hidden screw that you just it's hard to find and all kinds of different things. I, I work on so many of them, I just don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I figured. I wish I had access to the service data you yeah. referred to, man. It's, I know, it's, it's wonderful, man. It's wonderful, but it's about six grand a year. Yeah, yeah it's almost <laughs> like, it costs. It's, it's, to me, it's the secrets that they want to keep. You know? Yeah, well, it's just they know they can sell it. It used to be they gave a lot of that stuff away, and right. now they don't give anything away. Everything's for sale. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's I'm, for every different kind of car you're going to work on, you got to have it. So. I'm feeling pretty much locked out of everything I try to do here. Pretty much, know? pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Lewis, Brian, I really appreciate y'all again. Thank right, you so much. Thanks, man. All right. Great Saturday. Bye-bye. Great. Thank, Thank you, man. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Act, go ahead and give us a call. We'll try to get you a direct answer today. There you go. Next week won't be here. You can still send us an email if you like, but we you will not be here to answer you, your calls. You going to answer first. emails at, at Mardi Gras? Well, there'll probably be fewer and far in between, but okay. yeah, I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got Wi-Fi in my condo. I got a laptop. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I'll be there. That I was going to say, I didn't figure you'd be spending that much time there. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. They got an awful lot going on. In fact, oh, the, man. this weekend, there's some parades. There's Barkus, which is a kind of a spoof on Bacchus. Uh-huh. Uh, and Barkus is a dog parade, which okay. is one of my favorites. It runs tomorrow, I want to say around 2 o'clock, 2, 3 o'clock think, tomorrow. Yeah. And comes down through the French Quarter. It's kind of a, all the dogs parading. It's uh, something to see if you never saw it before. If you're from the area and you want to get out there. Mm-hmm. If you're not from the area, you can. Hop on a plane and be here real quick. You know, even somebody had a miserable cold you got up there. Yeah. Uh, it's about 60 degrees down here. It's oh, it's nice. Sun shining, nice little breeze blowing. Yep. So. Especially down in New Orleans. That's right. You always, mostly always got a breeze coming off that lake. Yeah, yeah, off that and off the river. So it's generally pretty comfortable down there, except in the real hot summer. Uh-huh. Uh, three months of summer, it's, it can get pretty miserable. But Well, I mean, that's, that's South Louisiana. That's, that's, <laughs> it. that's it. That's it. Got a lot of humid beings around there. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, give us a call. It's 291-6901. We'll get you an answer to whatever might be bugging you. I was thinking we had several cars come in this week with CV joint problems. Mm-hmm. And it kind of comes to spurts. We may not see a CV joint problem for maybe a month, and all of a sudden we'll get three of them in one day. Right. And it just occurred to me all the different types of maladies that a CV joint can have. And most people are familiar with you turn the wheel and you get a loud click, 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 click which is generally indicative of a failure of an outer CV joint. That's right. one thing that causes that. You turn the wheel all the way, and you make a turn, and as the car rolls, it goes click, 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 and that's those little balls jumping around the cage. 
And certainly that's one thing. Another thing that happens a lot is that the boots will burst on them. Sure, which leads to the clicking noise. Right. Because as it's turning and there's a hole in that boot, it starts throwing the grease out. That's right. And eventually it throws all the grease out, providing it hasn't rained lately. Mm Mm-hmm. So if all the grease is gone, the hole's still there, and you drive through water, then it's pulling water in. That's right. Which further damages that joint. Water, trash, dirt. Grip, grind. Anything that can get in that joint, that's a, a supposed to be a sealed unit there. Right. That's the only protection that it has. And once that happens, it generally takes a while. I've seen people drive around for a sure. year, year and a half, two years with a busted boot. But inevitably, it's going to fail. And when it fails, you'll start getting that loud clicking noise. Right. That's when an outer joint fails. But there are a number of other ways they fail and things that happen to them. For instance, we had a Honda towed in uh, this week, and the guy had hit a curb, I guess about a month or so ago. And when he did, it blew the tire out, bent the wheel. So he took it to a regular shop who put him a new wheel, a new tire on it. Anyway, they drove it around for a while, and then the car quit moving. And he thought that the transmission had gone out because you could put it in gear and it would just rev up and it wouldn't move. And what we found was that when it was in the accident, it actually bent the lower ball joint and bent the lower arm mounts. And when that happened, the hub assembly moved inboard slightly. And the CV joint is designed in such a way that as the suspension moves up and down, the inner joint plunges in and out. Correct. Because the distance changes between the wheel and the transmission. Transmission. And what had happened is with the bent ball joint, the bent lower arm mounts, all that distance had been taken up so that it was bottomed out when you're just rolling straight. When you hit a bump, it couldn't plunge, so it just loaded that joint to the extent that it actually broke the outer CV joint. Right. It busted a cage. When the joint broke, car quit moving, and it looked very, very much like a bad transmission. Fortunately, we were able to go in, do some measurements. We found the bent ball joint, found the bent control arm mounts put a new ball joint, new control on mouse. I think maybe it had a tie rod that was worn or something. Mm-hmm. Put a new drive axle in it, and it took off and drove fine. Sure. Now, I guess in a way, as bad as it is that occurred, it could have been worse because had it not bent quite as much, it could have maybe not broke the joint. It could have just continued to bottom out in the transmission. And let's say you would have drove the car for a year or a year and a half like that, you may have very well torn up the carrier bearings and transmission, which very would have easily. necessitated a much, much larger repair. Honda transmission four or five speed can easily be thirty five hundred four thousand dollars. Oh, easily. So, and if you have a drive axle that is not able to plunge because the spacing on it is wrong because something has been or damaged, you can take out the case, you can take out the carrier, and now you may even have a non rebuildable unit. You could easily total the car. So, in this particular case, the damage was significant enough that the joint was totally bottomed out. So it didn't take too long to tear up the outer joint. Right. But like I said, had that not been the case, let's say it would have only moved in, and I think it probably had moved in a total of maybe an inch, took up all the travel. Let's say it had moved in five-eighths of an inch. Well, now there was a small amount of travel, but every time you hit a bump, it's bottoming out in the transmission. Which is, right, that shaft is actually plunging inside the joint, which is splined to the transmission carrier. And it just, as the suspension comes up, that shaft slides in and it bottoms out in that cup. And that cup is constantly beating on that carrier unit beating the bearings in it and everything else in there that's right and it'll tear it up in a quite a short period of time oh absolutely i remember we had a car one time that had a vibration and it was a peculiar vibration it was pretty severe but you could only feel it on a hard right turn Mm -hmm. you'd make a hard right turn and you would feel this pretty severe vibration the poor guy had spent an inordinate amount of money trying to find this 
brought it to us, and the first thing we found was that the CV joint was actually near bottomed out because he had some bent suspension components. The car had been wrecked about three years before. Gotcha. And it wasn't so bad that it was bottomed out all the time, but he also had a weak front motor mount. And so when you made a hard right turn, the weight of the engine would shift on the mount, the axle would bottom out in the transmission, and it would start to vibrate. And the guy, it wasn't that he wasn't trying to fix it. He had been a number of places, just nobody could find it. Right. And that's sort of our specialty, so we went to it pretty fast. You know, we're used to measuring stuff and all that. And my first comment to him was, has the car been wrecked? He says, yeah, about three years ago. I said, thinking back, is that about when this vibration started? He says, you know, come mission, it is. Right. Started not long after that. And it wasn't a glaring thing. I think it, too, had a bent ball joint, maybe a bent knuckle. And they had actually gone in and that particular car had enough adjustment where they adjusted the alignment and got the car where it drove straight wasn't really wearing tires but that axle was in the wrong place so it was bottoming out Mm -hmm. and then on top of that the motor mounts would broken right so every time you would turn the motor would shift over Mm -hmm. which would bottom once that one joint out and actually it can increase the distance in the other one can't actually pull the other one apart we've seen that as well right Another time that happens is where the front mount is suspended on the front unibody and you get nailed in the front corner of the car and it shoves the whole front end over. Well, the first thing you may notice, the hood doesn't fit right, but everything's okay and you're still able to drive the uh-huh. car. Well, next thing you know, you maybe make a curve and all of a sudden, wham, you hear a loud noise, car quits moving. Well, it's pulled the inner CV joint apart on one side. Right. Because when that front end shifted over, it moved the motor mount, which moved the motor. Now it's bottoming out on one side. It's got too much distance on the other. So under the wrong condition, when you make a curve, the weight of the engine shifts over a little bit, it pulls the inner CV joint apart, just rips it apart. I've even seen those vehicles fixed improperly. Somebody will grab the top of the front core support and pull it over so the hood lines up. That's right. But the bottom is still shoved over. That's right. I've seen them fixed like that several times. That or let's say the cross member shifts over. Then the sheet metal may fit just fine. Mm -hmm. But let's say the car got hit in the wheel and it moved the cross member over. Well, now you've got the motor sitting attached to the body. But the bench is attached to the cross member, so the two are not in line with each other. Correct. And those kinds of things cause all kind of subtle little problems, but they will cause problems. It may manifest as a vibration. It may manifest as a noise. It may come up as just parts that keep wearing out. Sure. In other words, a CV joint that keeps wearing out, keeps going out. You change it, and it goes out again. There's a number of ways that would show up, but the only way to find that is have someone knows what they're doing, go in and measure the car. And then you can find the bent parts, change the bent parts, and you're back like you were to start with. And you know, it's not a bad idea. After an accident, mm-hmm. the body shop's going to fix your car. Take it to somebody who's not involved with the body shop and have the car looked over. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen several cars come in that the body looks great on right. them, but the suspension is still damaged. Mm-hmm. We actually do a, a few body shops around town send us their vehicles after they've got them painted and everything mm-hmm. we check the suspension fix all the suspension parts when the customer gets his car back it's done that's right and you know most of the body shops around town they're are, pretty good about a, looking at a pretty good job right and they can certainly make the car look right they make everything fit right but sometimes that's a little bit out of their field of expertise and i mean i don't think anyone intentionally overlooks anything and for the most part they do a very good job they do it but in they do. some cases there's just weird little things that kind of falls in the gaps and you can end up with a problem that they may try to fix it. And if you send it to the wrong kind of mechanical shop, they may not find that. Exactly. It's sort of a specialty all its own, and you will find all those sorts of problems. One of the biggest things, like I said, with the CV joints and drive axles, all alignment is critical. And that's where you'll start to see problems like that. Yep. Now, another way that I've seen a CV joint fail, and this really fools a lot of people, 
is that you have an outer CV joint, but you also have an inner CV joint. Correct. The inner CV joint can also wear out, and it will not click. You're not going to get the characteristic clicking noise. It's not made in the same fashion as the outer joint. Right. The outer joint is actually a caged joint. It doesn't plunge in and out. That's right. It's not supposed to. All it's supposed to do is turn the wheel and Travel stay in a certain position. Mm-hmm. The inner joint is actually a tripod. you got to think of it as a long slot with three slides on it. Right. And as the suspension goes up and down, those slides run in and out of that cup. That's right. And we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get back and a whole lot more. Take a quick little break. Be right back. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of AgCo Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. we still got a few minutes. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. There you go. We were talking about CV joints, drive axles, all that sort of thing. And one of the classic symptoms of a bad inner CV joint, one of the things, mm-hmm. is a vibration on acceleration in a front-wheel drive car. Right. Or a car that uses cv joints and it's sort of a weird sensation but you'll be cruising along and maybe 50 60 miles an hour even though you're not exactly accelerating you are applying throttle to keep the car rolling at that speed because resistance wants to stop the car so even though it's not what we characteristically think of as accelerating we are accelerating because we're constantly applying throttle to keep the car moving and you'll pick up a vibration and way you'll notice that this is different from, say, another kind of vibration is that when you let off of the throttle, the vibration actually goes away. Right. It will vibrate when you apply throttle, and then when you let off, it'll quit vibrating. And that's characteristic of an inner CV joint. I've seen that wrongly accused of being wheels vibration also. That's right. They'll think it's a and, tire or whatever. Right. The easy way to, to verify that is you bring it up to speed, you get the vibration. Right. You let off the accelerator, it goes away. Mm-hmm. Well, therefore, the wheels and tires are still starting in the same speed. So you can eliminate that. Right. Then you can take and bring it up past there. Right. And then let it cruise back through. Bring it up past, put it neutral, let it coast back down through that speed range. And if it's a wheel or tire, it's going to shake at the same speed. Correct. Because it's speed related. And I've seen people, well, I went here, I changed my tires and it still did. So a guy said it might be the wheels, so I changed the wheels. Right. Man, it's crazy. I've seen people spend thousands of dollars. One simple test, so we could eliminate that. Right. And put you on the right path rather than just go spend a whole bunch of money on something might be. Because you can run out of money before you run out of might be. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Let's go back to our phone line. Wayne, good morning, Wayne. How you doing? Good, Good morning. morning. I got an 05 F-150 with the 5-point 
four three valve engine yes, and i got a misfire when it's cold like 40 degrees and below mm-hmm. motor just about jumps out from underneath the hood wow yeah and when it gets up to operating temperature everything's fine you yeah got any suggestion well first thing you do is bring it somebody knows what to do and let them put a ford ids on it and they can do what they call mode six they can tell you which cylinder's missing once you know which cylinder's missing it's pretty much a piece of cake to find out what's going on First thing you do is look at the spark plug, and you don't have to change the plug. You just take that plug. Let's say number four is missing. Take number four plug, move it to number three, move number three to number four. If the misfire stays on the same cylinder, you know it's not the plug. Same thing with the call. Same thing with the injector. So instead of you going, well, maybe it's a set of plugs. Okay, great. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a call. Okay, maybe it is. Maybe it's an injector. Maybe it is. Maybe it's all kind of stuff. But a shop with the right tool and knows what they're doing can eliminate that problem in less than an hour and tell you exactly what it is. Now, it could be, like I said, it could be a spark plug, it could be a call, it could be an injector, it could be compression. You, know, you could check compression on the engine. So many things that can cause a misfire, but without knowing what you're doing and having something to test it, you're going to spend a fortune changing parts, which is what most people do. Right, those coils are over $100 a piece. About 100 bucks a piece, yeah. And, There's eight of them. And maybe it's a call, okay, maybe it is. You know, maybe it's all kind of stuff. But without something to test it and see what it is, see, number one, what cylinder it's misfiring on, Another thing you could do is you'd have to test if you've got a general misfire it's misfiring on all the cylinders. Well, then we know it's not any of those things because all those would be peculiar to one cylinder. If it's misfiring on all the cylinders, now we're looking at like a stuck EGR valve. We could be looking at a mass airflow sensor. We could vacuum be looking leak. at a lot of things, vacuum leak, things right. that affect all sensors equally. If you go on my website and just type in the word misfire, there's two articles. One's on detecting a general misfire. The other's on getting a specific cylinder misfire because they're two both completely different. But I would suggest bringing out somebody who knows to do it. Let them check it. Even if you want to do the work yourself, pay somebody to check it and tell you which cylinder's missing and what it is. And that way you're not going to go spend a ton of money on stuff you don't need. Okay. Vacuum leak? Could, could it be vacuum leak? It could be probably $2,000 worth of stuff. But which okay. one is it? See, I mean, you can't just go start, well, maybe it's this. Let me go try this. I mean, it could be a computer thing is if you bring it to somebody who knows what they're doing in less than an hour they're going to tell you exactly what it is then if you want to fix it yourself go ahead and fix it yourself but i mean it could be all kinds of stuff i could tell you what well, could be a spark plug could be right. a call could be the injector sticking could be a loss of compression in the cylinder could be a mass airflow sensor could be egr valve stuck open could be an intake manifold leak i mean it could be all kinds of stuff could be an injector wire cut rat got under the hood and ate the injector wire in half could be all kinds of stuff the point is you can check all this electronically and you don't have to go with could be's and would be's you can find this problem exactly know exactly what it is and not waste a bunch of money and a bunch of time that's right all right all righty all right sir all right 291-6901 is the number we got time for one more he said yeah we squeezed it in <laughs> we got steve online good morning steve hey yes sir good morning a couple of months ago i called y'all about the Silverado, when you open the door to close it, the radio keeps playing. Okay, right. I just wanted to ask Brian if he found out what was wrong. He said he was doing the same thing. Man, I have not even had time to slow down and even think about working on my truck. Well, mine fixed itself. So, well, well that's mine comes sometimes. Mine comes and goes. Yep, sometimes I'll do it. You know, they they kind of come and go. So I tell you, we are just totally out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast service, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart. If there's a place for a written rating, give us a written rating. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Move us up and we can do even better. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.